Listener Production. Car Sales acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Yeah, they seem to work around town for private use and for cabs and Uber and stuff, but until they can handle a decent payload with proper range, some small business owners will balk at the move. That nervousness or trepidation is valid at the moment. So what's in the pipeline? What's here now as well? And can a move to a, an EV fleet really work for Aussie business owners? You've got to remember, Australia's really different to Europe. Trucks cover big distances here and our tradies ask a lot of their vans and their utes. Are EVs the right fit for our commercial sector? It's the subject we're going to explore today in this episode, the battle for business. We all want to do the right thing, but an EV for commercial use has to stack up too. Some big organisations have taken that leap of faith already and committed to making the switch. Hey everybody, Greg Rust and Nadine Armstrong with you for another one of our, if you go searching in the podcast, sea of podcasts out there, it's one of the very few dedicated EV pods that you will find. We call it What's Under the Bonnet. We love it. We hope you do too. Thank you very much for all the feedback and reviews. Nadine Armstrong is with me and she's got her work boots on for this one. Uh, Any excuse for some new shoes is good with (laughs) me, so (laughs) let's get to it. It is true, we talk a lot about how average Aussies are transitioning to EVs on this show, so electric passenger vehicles. Today, we're going to look at how the business sector is making that transition. Major companies too. IKEA, Coles, Woolworths, Uber, they've all started heading down that path. As you said in the introduction, they've committed to it, haven't they? Yeah, totally. So back in 2021, we look at someone like Linfox. They announced a partnership with Woolies launching their first EV truck. It was a Volvo FL Electric. So they'll deliver fresh produce across Australia. In 2022, they did the same with Coles, but this time with a Fuso e-canter. So it is clear, right? Big business has caught on to the trend and we'll be deep diving into heavy vehicles and trucks with Rod Chapman, who's part of our car sales network, right, with a a real specialty around heavy vehicles. He's an ace, a pro in that regard. So that's coming up a little bit later in the show. And the reason we are getting him on, a big part of it, getting him back on the show, is because he's just been at the Brisbane Truck Show and there were some major announcements made there. But first, we want to know what small to medium-sized Aussie businesses are doing. Small businesses are the bedrock of Aussie economy and will be a major factor in the overall uptake of EVs. We have a very fitting guest to kickstart the show and this topic. Sarah Moran is the co-founder of Girl Geek Academy and she's here to tell us what the transition to EVs looks like for them and what she's been hearing on the ground. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. We're excited too. We are. Yeah, before we get going about electric vehicles, tell us a little bit about Girl Geek Academy. Yeah, so Girl Geek Academy, I am a girl geek, absolutely, hands down, (laughs) a massive girl geek. Um, So I started, I learnt to code when I was only five years old. Wow. Tech is something that's been a part of my life for as long as I've known, and it's through some very lucky experiences that I've been exposed to tech early on. So government funding meant that in my primary school, a little public school in Lismore in New South Wales, meant that we had a classroom full of computers and we didn't know how to use it, neither did my teacher. So we all just jumped in and had to play, press the buttons, worked out what broke and how to fix it. Um, So we've been tinkerers, you know, since we were very, very young. And 
I have always wanted to be in technology, but slowly and surely over time I was pushed out by various things that happened to women in technology. But then I, as a grown-up, I met my girl gang, uh, the rest of the co-founders of Girl Geek Academy, and we've come together to make sure that women don't get pushed out of tech. I love this because I'm also a huge advocate for breaking down the stigma around women in, you know, seemingly non-traditional industries. For me, it's motorsport. But, you know, obviously the advancement of EVs are driven by tech, which is your specialty. So talk to me about the benefit of having women working in the tech and the EV sector. You know, what are the opportunities there? Well, that's it. Uh, it's, you know, a growing growing industry, but a growing interest as well. For us at Girl Geek Academy, we were like, oh, this is like when smartphones came out you know it's it's like smart cars right you 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 get it, it to me it feels like driving a piece of technology is most electric vehicles and then you get home and you plug them in the same way you plug your phone in when you get home at night um so I think we probably over anticipated we just assumed everyone else would you know do the equivalent of lining up at the Apple store and, and trying to get a hold of an EV. Um, and so we we jumped on that bandwagon pretty early but the opportunities in terms of you know, the industry and employment, it's all happening in front of our eyes. And the sooner you get a hold, get your head around it, you can get a hold of some of those opportunities and and really get going. So it's great to see actually a lot of women getting involved and the communities of women that are springing up celebrating electric vehicles in Australia. Now, if we were and our listeners were to spot a Girl Geek Academy facilitator out and about, they would probably see them in a Nissan Leaf. When and how did that kind of decision come about? Yeah, so uh, my co-founder, Lacey, she had a car that she was going to drive into the ground, right? <laughs> like it was, she had done the distance through uni and, it, you know, her, her favourite vehicle, it, it had done her plenty of kilometres and one day it just, it had run out of luck. <laughs> um, she absolutely panicked and went, oh my God, I need a car immediately and almost panic bought the nearest car she could afford, right? And I said, hold, 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 hold the phone a minute here. Do you really want to own like a petrol car in five years? Like I get right now, the easiest thing for you to do is go out and buy a petrol car because they're all on the road. But in five years, is that going to be something that you want to sit with? And is that a decision you're comfortable making? And she went, oh, it really hit her. And then I didn't expect that she went and nerded out about every possible iteration <laughs> of EV. And so we came to the decision that we should buy um, a, a Nissan Leaf was what we wanted at the time. And a, a, as a result, in the same way that we're advocates of, of all emerging technology, we've really become quite passionate about you know, supporting people to learn more about electric vehicles and what that journey looks like. Now, we love that you love technology and nerding out over all of the tech that's involved in an EB, but talk to me about how important sustainability is also on that journey. Oh, I have a really personal story about this. So um, I, as I said, I grew up in Lismore and you may have heard, but Lismore was flooded last year. And uh, I was in Brisbane at the time and my uncle was on his rooftop and had to be rescued and uh, and my family's like no no he's fine he can still access the landline in his house I'm like that doesn't make him fine you know we shouldn't panic but we kind of should panic this is really bad and so I had friends and family lose their businesses and you know really quite um an emotional time but on top of that so I'm trying to get from Brisbane down to Lismore there was no petrol south of Tweed Heads because it had all been cut off and 
you know, I was looking at the time, I said, oh, I'm just going to take a punt. I'll jump on carsales.com.au and see if anyone's selling a Tesla. And I just lucked it that someone had listed this car and I rang him. I said, mate, I'm coming to get it. Put it on the charger. And he said, oh, okay. Yep. Took a deposit. But it was just that really confronting thing. Like climate had changed for me. Um, and so it's not something that's a future issue anymore. This is something that absolutely happened to me in my life that, you know, given the choice, I, I won't contribute to, you know, further emissions and driving an EV is a, a great way to still be able to get out and see the world. Yeah, come on. Tell us about the performance of the car too. Ah, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a motorhead. Oh, I love it though. <laughs> Just put your foot down and it goes. But actually, to be honest though, it wasn't my first um, crack at an EV. I originally, <laughs> speaking of performance, uh, so I won an award a couple of years ago and there was a cash prize and I said, you know, I'm going to buy a van and we're going to have a Girl Geek van and we're going to drive around Australia in it, right? And then, of course, there aren't many EV vans and there definitely wasn't a couple of years ago, except I found one and it was an ex-Japan post, like a Postman Pat van. <laughs> and I wanted it so bad. I was like, yes, my Postman Pat van. It was a beautiful red, like it matched our brand colours. It just looked so amazing. But it only went 100 kilometres on a single time. <laughs> We've seen some major corporations, you know, making the switch to EVs. But in your experience, do you think EVs are good for, you know, for a small to medium Aussie businesses also? Until you've tried it, you don't understand the difference that it makes. Like, you know, we talk about performance, but they're fun, you know? Like it's it's an absolute joy to be doing something different and try something new. And as a small business, we've seen an absolute decrease in, in cost. I think that's something I don't think people realise. I think people think that EVs are still massively expensive and haven't, I don't think that we've really marketed or, or told people the price drops are so significant that small to medium businesses can actually access the benefits mm. of an electric vehicle. I, I think as well what people don't understand is that idea of charging from home. You know, uh, there's lots of businesses where it is actually a pain in the butt to get to a petrol station. <laughs> but the idea of you driving out of, you know, driving out of the workshop every morning and the car's full of petrol, but it isn't full of petrol, it's full of battery, is something that I think that the, the benefits that small to medium businesses are about to learn and I'm really excited to see that. Sarah, it's probably worth sharing for our audience kind of the amount of Ks you do. Do you do many Ks? On a day-to-day basis, I don't. So I don't. But I've done, you know, I've done the mega road trips and I did them quite early on. I actually went from Melbourne up back up to Lismore for my Nana's 80th birthday. But I did that via an EV subscription. So that was also a really accessible way for me to try before I bought. And that's when I first tried a Model 3. And that allowed us to go on a massive road trip, do the big adventure, but take our time with it. But one of my friends <laughs> confused me at the time, but he uh, was one of the first people to drive the Model 3 to uh, Uluru. And I just, I was so confused because like, yep, yep, I've really got to go now. I've, I've got to get this car and go. And I was so confused. And then when he got there, he got the photo, you know, like the <laughs> selfie. So yeah, no, they, they absolutely crack it on long distances. And one of my favourite things has been being able to plan, oh, I'm going to stop in this cute little town and grab a meat pie and, mm. you know, a finger bun or whatever it is and a cup of tea in a way that I wouldn't normally do. I've really appreciated um, particularly spending time with my partner on the road and doing those road trips. We just wouldn't have done that in a petrol car. Like not, not because not because we couldn't, 
but because it is usually um, a more joyful experience of a trip to fly. But, you know, when we can we, we can do the big road trip like you always dream of doing, uh, it's been a real, a real pleasure to be able to do. You did already touch on it a little bit about those incentives we know around the electric vehicle fleet incentives and whether or not that is something that's more, I think there's, depending on the size of your organisation or your fleet, whether you have to have more than 10 vehicles, but depending on which state you live in as well. But what would you say to small businesses thinking about doing that? I'll be honest, it's pretty confusing. Depends where you live as to what rebates you get and then what grant program's out at the moment and yada, yada, yada. And it's changing all the time. Um, And I I think that's pretty frustrating. Um, But I don't know, the other... The other side of it is there's always something going. It doesn't actually take that much time to sort through what's available to you and, you know, whatever else. The other thing is, is don't be ashamed to call your local member, you know, um, call your local state government or federal government member and say, hey, look, I'm, I'm looking at doing this transition. Um, what do you know that's going? They'll be happy to tell you what policies they've, mm. they've put forward as, as a key stakeholder, but also it doubles as that reminder that that's something important to their community. And I think that that's something that, you know, people don't think to do, but it's like, oh, these people are here to serve you and they're giving out cash, like, go get it. Mm. <laughs> In a broad sense, Sarah, what kind of things would you like to see done to get businesses more excited about EVs? We need to increase the range of vehicles that are available because Australia is at the back of the queue for most ranges of electric vehicles. And this is what we found when I was originally searching for my dream electric vehicle van. I mean, actually, I'll be honest, I've been waiting since 2018 to get the V-Dub, the EV combi, essentially. Um, And I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I've heard 2024, but we are nowhere near being in a place where we are going to get the supply of those vehicles. And there's a very simple reason for that. Internationally, most developed countries, um, most of the OECD countries in the world have a thing called a fuel efficiency standard. And fuel efficiency standards essentially say to people who sell cars, you can sell as many petrol cars as you like, as long as you make sure that electric vehicles are available, you know, in a certain ratio and there's maths behind that. Um, But what happens is Australia doesn't have those. So if you're in another country, you'll get penalised if you don't supply electric vehicles and you're also selling petrol cars. So in Australia, we just don't have those penalties. And so there's no incentive for people to send electric vehicles here, which means our range is just kind of boring, to be completely honest. I want the sexy cars. I want the fun ones. I want the ones that do cool things. And we're just not seeing the supply sent here because EVs are growing in demand everywhere. And we don't have policy that incentivizes or really pushes the supply of the cool, fun, amazingly awesome vehicles our way. <laughs> I think the sooner that we see that happen and the sooner that the government passes legislation that makes sure that Australia is at least in the queue, mm. then the faster we will see businesses find fit-for-use vehicles, businesses like mine who who really want to be able to have a van that is cool and fun and um, does amazing stuff. Great work. Sarah, thank you very much for coming on the show today and sharing some of your story. Hopefully, it's inspired a few other business owners out there who are listening to kind of contemplate and maybe even make the move. Well done. Thank you. 
time to meet an EVer. Chloe Fast is actually a car sales colleague. Chloe is EGM Corporate Affairs, Employer Brand and Sustainability at Car Sales. And she's the proud new owner of her first EV, a Volvo XC40 Recharge. Chloe, welcome to What's Under the Bonnet. Thank you. I've been an avid listener since day one. That's so what we like to hear. And now awesome. I'm a guest. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. So congrats on the move to the EV, but tell Thank us you. what prompted that move to an electric vehicle. It's your first. What was the motivation for you? Yeah, so if I look at my personal history of car ownership, I tend to change my cars over every five or so years. So for me, that would have been start of 2023. So about 12 months prior to that, I started thinking, all right, well, what's my next car going to be? And knowing that I had to make a decision sooner rather than later, because it's not like the old days where you can just walk into a dealership, Mm -hmm. pick your car and get it delivered that week or the next week. Yeah, exactly. There's Mm -hmm. lead time. So I knew there'd be a period between ordering and delivery. So I started thinking about it and I was like, right, if I don't make a move to an EV now, I'm probably not getting my next car till at least 2028. And that sounds like a long time away. And Mm -hmm. I like to be ahead of the game with, you know, tech and all those kinds of things. So I was like, well, I think it's time. So I started looking into it and, yeah, decided to settle on an EV. Am I right in saying this is one of two firsts for you? Not just EV, but also SUV. Correct. Tell us about that. So I've always had um, hatchbacks and sedans. Mm -hmm. And so I've always loved being in an SUV when I've been a passenger. I've driven them from time to time. And so I was just ready for a bit more space. I like being a little bit higher on the road. So I thought, no, I'm going to get an SUV, which if you're looking for an EV and an SUV, your options are definitely a little more limited. Yeah, which Um, which brings me to our next question. Did you try other EVs? Did you drive any other EVs or did you go straight to Volvo? I did go straight to the Volvo. Before I went and test drove it, I'd done a lot of research and so I'd had a look at what was available. I was really keen on the EV6, the Kia, but the lead time on those was like ridiculous at the time. So big demand, hey? Yeah. Big demand, yeah. long. I think it was like two years wait time. I was like, I'm not going to wait that long. So yeah, I have always really liked Volvos. My actually, my uncle and aunt have got an Ice XC40, um, which I'd been in before. Loved it. It's like the perfect size. It's not too big um, of an SUV. So I kind of knew that that was probably um, where I was going to go. And when in test drove it, I've always loved Volvo. I love that, you know, they're planning to be fully electric by 2030. I was like, right, this is a brand that's putting a lot of effort into EVs and the tech and all mm. the things that come with it's it. still a quality ride at the same Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Mm. And I did on an R a little bit because when I went and test drove it, the C40 hadn't landed in Australia yet, which is the coupe version, hadn't landed yet, but it was available to order. So I spent a week or two umming and ahhing over what to do. But ultimately went with the XC40 because you do lose a bit of that back space yes. in the C40. So went with the XC40. So what's the transition been like? Because some people that we've had on the podcast have had a bit of concern around range anxiety. That's a natural thing. Charging infrastructure is a yep. consideration for people and so on, isn't it? Honestly, it has been so easy. Like the biggest change has been that I don't go to the petrol station anymore. <laughs> and actually a girlfriend of mine said to me on the weekend, I was away on the weekend. We drew, it was the first time actually driving the car out of Melbourne and when we plugged it into charge when we were down the coast, she was like, so you actually, like, you don't have to go to a petrol station anymore. I yeah. was like, no. Nah. <laughs> Tell me one person <laughs> that misses doing that. No, I mean, like, <laughs> if I want to go get a bottle of water or, you know, Diet Coke or something, sure, but to go and have to fuel up, I don't. So, and look, I'm a city driver and I work and live in a suburb, so it's honestly been a really easy transition, easier than I thought. I thought I'd have some range anxiety, but it's 
honestly been fine. So you talked about going away for the weekend and charging. So have you embraced apps to help you do that or how, do you do research online? How, how did you figure out where you were going to charge, how far you were going yeah, to Yeah, so I we just had a public holiday in Victoria on the weekend. So I was down on the morning to Peninsula. My family have got a property down there. So I have ChargeFox and I have PlugShare on my phone. Haven't really had to use ChargeFox yet, but PlugShare was how I, you know, managed to figure out where there was charging available. Um, so the Flinders General Store, um, hot tip, they've got a, they've put in a charging station <laughs> in the car that. park yeah. out the back. Um, but it's great. Like having that app was fantastic because seeing people check in is really good and they leave their comments and feedback. So someone had written there, it's hidden behind a shipping container, which it was. And if I'd driven in, I probably would have been like, where the hell is this? Yeah. Is I this? love that people mm-hmm. leave little like, notes like that. It's yeah. really handy. Yeah. So then there was the shipping container. I was like, oh, and it was behind there. So I managed to to find it and plug in. But I've look, I'm really lucky with charging as well. We've got charging available at work. So I've managed to top up there once a week or so when I'm in the office. Did you um, make any friends when you were charging? I find sometimes when you pull up to a charging station, <laughs> everyone loves a yap. They do. So when actually when I pulled in, there was, so it's out the back, there's like the general store and a couple of other stores there. And there was a delivery van blocking the EV space. So I jumped out of the car and spoke to the guy and I said, oh, do you know whose van this is? He said, yeah, yeah, I'll get him. He'll only be a couple minutes. I said, oh, that's right. I'm happy to wait. He's like, no, 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 I'll get him. I'll get him to move. No problem. It's fine. So the guy came out, moved the van for me so I could get in. And then as I was like pulling out my charging cable and plugging in, he started, he doesn't have an EV. He started asking me a million and one questions. How much, you know, range do you get on this on a charge? And what's it been like? And have you run out of battery? <laughs> what does one of these cost? Like ask me a million and one questions. Mm. He's like, it's so quiet when you reversed in just now. I couldn't hear a thing. So yeah, didn't meet any EVers there, but I um, met someone who was very interested. You, you said the word tech before, so that sparked a bit of interest yeah. in me and how important that was to you yes. in, this, in this whole process, right? So the Volvo's got some cool tech beyond it the does. battery itself. What other things it have does. you found, enjoyed, learned about, etc.? Yeah, so I, look, Volvo's a brand that I think has always been really well known for safety. Mm-hmm. And so I love the 360 camera. That's one thing I've always, I've always loved 360 cameras. Like when you're trying to reverse into yes. a spot... It's amazing. I did have one on my last car, but having, like now that I've had one, I never want to get a car that doesn't have one, but Mm. the camera on it is really good. It's also really great if you're going down tight streets in the city to fit through, you know, you just feel that bit more confident. I love the Google integration, so I don't really have to touch, you know, if I want to turn on the fan or if I want to heat the steering wheel, I don't even have to like go into the screen and figure out the buttons. I can just say, hey, Google, heat Mm. the steering wheel and it just does it. So that's great. Um, the Volvo app is really awesome as well. So you can remotely lock the car. So if you walk away from the car and then you go, Did oh, I do that? Did I lock that? Did I lock yeah. the car? I can't remember. Yeah. You can jump on the app. You can lock the car. The other cool thing you can do remotely is you can set the fan, um, the heating and the cooling, I should say, so that if you go, right, it's a 40-degree day, my car's sitting in the sun, I'm at a cafe, but I'm going to be gone in an hour and I don't want to have to get into a boiling hot car, yeah. mm. you can preset the temperature and the time so that by the time you get to the car, it's already started to cool it down. Or conversely, you can set it to heat if you're you know, getting into the car I love cool how day, much so. you've embraced. Mm. Okay, Stuff there's one like thing that. I want to talk to you about that we sure. talked about last week. Yes. Embracing the iPedal, oh, the one, yes. one <laughs> pedal driving. One pedal driving. So... <laughs> I was terrified of one pedal driving. I don't know why. I think it was the mental hurdle of like not using the brake. Mm. Um, and then you and I were discussing it and I was telling you, yeah. I was like, and you were like, no, give it a go. And so literally the night you and I discussed it, I was going out for dinner. I was like, right, you know what I'm going to do? I have to go through the side streets before I get to the main road and it's a quiet night. I'm going to give it a go yeah. and I'll see. So I turned it on and it was like, look, the first night I was a little bit jerky because you're literally, you've just got to get used to 
you know, putting pressure on and off the accelerator. But I'm totally converted now. So I'm now a one-pedal driver for life. It's so easy. Given that the first few weeks that I had the car, I was driving it just normally, like you drive a normal car with the brake and all the rest of it, I've noticed a massive difference in the batteries. So a drive that would normally take, yeah, 10 or 15% battery might now only take three or four. Um, And actually someone said to me last week that it almost gamifies your driving. I was like, it kind of does. Like, because you're actually watching on the dash, you can see when you're powering the car and then, you know, when you're regenerating it. Mm. So it's super cool. And also a bonus knowing you really don't have to replace your brake pads for the life of the car if you do that. So yeah, I'm one pedal driver for life now. I think I'll find it hard to go back to driving a normal car. I love that so much. Yeah, so do I. Thank you. It has been a joy to get you in and and, um, and chat about this. We wish you continued success with your Thank role you. at car sales. We've met a great EVer today. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Haven't Thank we? you, Chloe. We would genuinely love to meet more of you that we know are out there in the EV universe. So if you are a newcomer, maybe you've made the switch in relatively recent time, hit us up on socials. We'd love to get you on the podcast. Tell us a bit more about your journey or you can email us, podcast at carsales.com.au. News time now on the pod, and in keeping with our thing, I guess you could say today, let's start with something commercially orientated. IKEA are going to deliver via electric tuk-tuk. It's interesting, isn't it? You and I could be drivers. Would that work? Oh, that would be <laughs> How fun. Much, so much fun. We might not get there, you know, in one piece, but <laughs> who knows? It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. And IKEA is the perfect one to do this, and they're taking part. So IKEA Tempe in Sydney is taking part in this two-month trial, we're told, with uh, the iconic three-wheeler tuk-tuks. Perfect. Interesting. Little nine kilowatt swappable battery. And I think they've got a global push, haven't they, IKEA, to have zero emission deliveries 2025. So nice that Australia's playing a little bit of a part in that. Uh, In keeping with Australia's obsession (laughs) with dual cab (laughs) utes, we've been further kind of teased with the Kia... Tasman, that is a cool name too. Very, we could take a bit of pride in that. It I is, think, it is, we? and whether or not it ends up being called that, who mm. knows? They always do that to us. But yeah, Kia's dual cab Ute, which is tipped to not surprisingly include an EV range. So, if Kia's product to date is anything to go by, Aussies are going to snap this up, you know, as quick as they possibly can. It's pretty exciting. Cool. Due around, I think. 2024 for the first variant, but then the EV maybe 12 months later. So we'll keep you posted on that on the website. Ford going to new heights, pardon the pun, (laughs) to allay fears around range anxiety. Absolutely. They've painted a roof-mounted backup battery to give rural owners a bit more reassurance around range because we know it's really different if you live in rural areas. So it's a backup battery, basically an oversized power pack, you know, would you say for your EV? Sitting on the roof. Look, it's like one of those roof cargo boxes. And I think the drawings I saw, this was discovered on a uh, on a forum. They discovered that this had been patented by them. So there looks like from the drawings, there's some vents for cooling. No idea how heavy it's going to be. And as I say, it's got that kind of rooftop cargo carrier look about it. Now, we almost need a bit of royal entrance music for this one. Hit it, producer Kelsey. We are recording this just after the King's birthday long weekend. So our Good buddy, Anthony Matafari, has done a little celeb piece on, hello, it's Charles here, and the various cars in the King's garage, which includes an EV. (laughs) (laughs) That's the world's worst Charles impersonation, I'm sorry. Yes. (laughs) He's big on this, on the whole uh, environmental thing, so it's understandable he's got one in the the garage. And if anyone can afford an EV, it's him. Yes, Jaguar I-Pace. 
I think he got it back in 2018 too, didn't he? Yeah, he did. So, yeah, let's say he was a bit of an early adopter. Yeah. So he ordered it in uh, Lua Blue. Lua Blue. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, good on you, Charles. Yeah. I don't think you could get that colour in other Jag models at the time. So he was a bit of a pioneer. So something unique you might see if you're on holiday over there or parked up in the Buckingham Palace lot. Uh, Between Epps, the very best place you can go to grab all your latest EV news is our electric vehicle hub. Just go to carsales.com.au forward slash electric. There's advice, reviews, pricing and specs, road trip info and all sorts of really useful tips around buying an EV+. Plus, We love a bit of celeb car news and more on the EV side of things. It's our electric vehicle hub and all on the Car Sales website. Listener Mailbox. Hey, Nadine, we've got some mail here. This is one from John in North Parramatta in Sydney. He says, hey, guys, love the show. You've had the likes of Ralph Shields on from Jeep talking about four-wheel drive. Um, There's been all sorts of hype naturally around Tesla Cybertruck. How long before I've got lots of options to choose from in dealerships for my work ute. Mm, nice timing, John. How does a Kia ute sound? <laughs> Look, we know demand is definitely there and we're being teased endlessly with product news. For now, we've got the LDV et 60 That's Australia's first battery electric ute. Toyota, of course, they're going to release an EV ute. So as soon as they can, apparently 2024, but also we're looking for an electrified version of the Hilux and they're saying post 2025, which is not that long. I know patience might be your, your friend here. But then there's disruptors like BYD who are tipped to have a dual cab ute here soon. And if current product is anything to go by, pricing will be aggressively competitive. So, I mean, the best thing you could do, really, John, is to jump on the Car Sales Electric Vehicle Hub, where my colleague Nadine and the likes of Callum Hunter regularly update stories around this, uh, like the top 10 EV utes headed for Oz, for example. It is a moving feast, isn't it? Now, you've had uh, a question here from a listener. So, my listener asked, in order to drive an EV, do you need a current licence? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> I mean, some people might ask that. There are different aspects to driving. I think we need a call out for EV jokes. <laughs> if you've got an EV joke, send it to us. <laughs> uh, we enjoy having a laugh. Thank you very much for that listener, loyal listener. If you have an EV orientated question, maybe a gag, DM us uh, via the Car Sales socials or you can send us an email just like John did, podcast at carsales.com.au and we will try and tackle it in our next episode. Trucking and logistics play a pivotal role in the Aussie economy, facilitating the movement of goods across vast distances. However, as important as these industries are, they have also garnered a bit of a notorious reputation as polluters. There's some good people in the trucking game. I've been to a couple of truck launches in the last 12 months or so, and we've got a in providing a bit of balance here, come back and remind people they do an amazing amount of good work for us in transporting uh, goods and equipment on the road, and it's a massive task, massive job, isn't yep, it? Some totally. good people in that game. Totally. And yep. it's because of this, though, some major advancements in long-range heavy vehicle battery tech has been made. The question is, is it enough? Is it mm. enough to see this major commercial sector transition to EVs? 
Rod Chapman is an automotive journalist. He's the production editor for car sales, commercial industry and leisure sector, a colleague of mine. Thank you for coming in, Rod. So specialising in trucks, motorcycles, four-wheel drives, pretty much anything with terrible wheels. Terrible job. <laughs> Sounds like a terrible job, doesn't Rod, it? <laughs> Rod is here to give us this scoop on what's happening in the sector. Rod, welcome to the show. Yep. Thank you for having me on, guys. Pleasure to be here. And yes, I've somehow managed to forge a career out of playing with anything with um, engines, <laughs> engines and a wheel. What's that line about? It's not a job if you, you know, it's something you love like that, isn't absolutely, it? So get absolutely. Get up every day. So yeah, I've been been focusing on a, a lot of different um, vehicles over 25 odd years, but especially in the past 10 years, a uh, big part of my focus has been trucks and uh, the heavy vehicle industry. You were at what's arguably the biggest event on the trucking calendar recently, the Brisbane Truck Show. Tell us a bit about what was there, what you saw, what were people talking about at the Brisbane Truck Show? Yeah, so the Brisbane Truck Show, it, it comes along uh, once every two years. I think it is fair to say it's the biggest event on the trucking calendar. Compared to two years ago, there was a real buzz about it this year. That naturally leads us to, I mean, there's some significant stuff there, right? Awesome new vehicles that were on display at that show. First, let's talk about Volvo FH Electric. That was showcased at the I think the Volvo Sustainability Summit a couple of days prior, wasn't it? So That's right. The FH, it made it out just in time for the Volvo Trucks Sustainability Summit, which was held a couple of days before doors opened on the Brisbane Truck Show. Unfortunately, didn't quite squeeze in in time to make it onto the Volvo Trucks stand, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. trying to jostle all these uh, big Vehicles. rigs into yeah. position in the Great Hall there at the Convention and Exhibition Centre. Takes some doing. But Volvo made a huge, huge play up in Brisbane uh, with its summit. And then on the truck stand itself, um, they had an FE electric, which is a medium-duty vehicle, and uh, an FM electric, which is like the FH. They're both Volvo's heavy-duty electric uh, electric offerings at the moment. I mean, others that were on display at the show, people might like to know what other um, things perhaps caught your eye in this in this area. Yeah, so uh, in addition to what was at the Volvo stand, um, Daimler also made a made a big play with um, with electric at the Brisbane Truck Show. They had their uh, E-Actros 300 on show for the first time here. They also had their E-Econic. It's uh, getting a little bit tricky with some of these. <laughs> Isn't it? I know. <laughs> Any truck names that naturally starts with an E is going to um, have some have a bit of a struggle attached to uh, putting the other E in front of it, but. Yeah, so they had that. They also had their next generation e-canter. Now that's a Fuso product, mm-hmm. a light duty truck. So I mean that that'll be available later in the year, mm-hmm. but that's already made significant gains. It's it's got a it's got a redesigned cab. There's a greater spread of different uh, cabs, wheelbases, uh, applications for which it's suitable. Uh, it's got an e-axle now, and uh, e-axles are something that we're going to be hearing a lot about in coming years because. They basically combine the the drive unit with the with the transmission and the, and the rear axle. Importantly, that means that it does away with the need for a drive shaft. Now that saves weight, but the other the the bigger benefit is that it actually frees up all that space between mm. the chassis rails on the vehicles, mm. which is where you can stuff in more batteries. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, similar to what we see in a passenger vehicle, you know that transmission tunnel. Yep. So we get a nice yep. flat second row. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Were there any manufacturers not spruiking their move mm. or, or their intentions to move to greener tech or was this literally just a groundswell for, yes, yeah, we're, was, we're going this way? Yeah. Look, it wasn't, it wasn't across all brands at the Brisbane Truck Show. I think when you look on a global level, I think all the major OEMs are heavily invested in these products. 
where we are at in Australia, we're a little bit behind, I think, um, what we're seeing we in, in Europe. I haven't heard that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've probably heard that on the, the car side too. But um, So not everyone, but the majority. I mean, Packard, Kenworth and DAF, they'd, they'd brought out their T680 Kenworth Prime Mover, which is a fuel cell vehicle. That's actually um, part of a collaboration with, with Toyota um, North America. And that's been doing trials in the Port of Los Angeles for some time now. There seems to be, like passenger vehicles, some hesitation among some truckies towards EVs. One survey by the commercial truck trader said 79% of truckies would never add an electric truck to their fleet. So what are the major concerns that truckies seem to have, you know, converting to an EV? And is there an overlap with what we see in the passenger car segment? I think at this stage... Range anxiety is still mm-hmm. is still one of the the major uh, barriers. That's a big deal for us. I mean, we do yeah. a lot of long distance trucking, and the applications we use it for would would potentially sap battery. So they're kind of understandable concerns, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But the thing is, when it comes to range, as the technology improves and rolls out across more and more applications it's going to be less and less of a concern. And in these earlier years of the transition, battery EV is going to be more of a focus, obviously, in, in metro mm. environments. And that's that's where roughly... Makes sense. In Australia, yeah. 35% of the freight task takes place mm. in, in an urban environment. So when you're looking at applications where it's, it's highly repeatable, the daily run mm. to where you know you're going to be dropping and all that sort of thing... The ranges that are on offer at the moment compared to diesel trucks, they are, they're, they're limited. Mm. But we're talking 200 to 300, in some cases more. I think Volvo's FL Electric, they quote around 400. But of course, it all depends on what it's carrying, mm. the application and, and the nature of, of the travel. There's so many variables here at play. So range is one thing, but that is going to be less of a concern as, as technology improves. The other one is that this is a new new technology. The truck industry in Australia is historically, I think you could say, it's it's fairly traditional. You know, mm. there's a lot of guys that are, this is how we've always done it. We've mm. always had diesels. Mm. You know, this is how we're always going to do it. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's going to have to change. Uh, and part of the uptake of a new technology is going to be down to operators and owner drivers knowing they have the complete backup and support of the OEMs behind them. Mm. And that's why you know, your big OEMs, your Volvos and your, your Daimlers and what have you are putting a heap of effort also into producing all the complementary services that go around this. They're not just selling a truck. They're also helping the customer with trials to make sure that it's fit for whatever application that they, they mm. need it for. They're working with the customer to sort out the most optimal route planning, uh, the most optimal battery charging regimen. That sort of thing. It, it, it's financing. Mm. It's, it's mm. how 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 are we going to pay for these things? Because yes, these trucks are a lot dearer mm. than uh, than their diesel equivalents at the moment. That will change too in coming years, and as um, the volume of of electric trucks increases. Do you ever think the sector will be one hundred percent? electric or will we see kind of a, a mixture of technologies? Because I mean, some people are pioneering uh, stuff around hydrogen. Um, you've talked about the traditionalists and how they, they look at things. What, what do you reckon there? I think we, we're going to see a mix. Mm. And, and certainly at this stage, the OEMs are investing uh, in in multiple areas. No one's just gone, right, I think it's going to be Solely like electric. this. Yeah, yeah. It's, not, mm. it's just going to be battery electric. 
everyone's sort of um, got a few fingers and a few different pies until we see how things are going to pan out. So battery electric is going to be a huge part of the mix. For longer distance applications, which is obviously quite relevant for Australia, Australia given our yeah. vast distances, mm. the OEMs are looking more at um, fuel cell, hydrogen fuel cell. But look, the costs involved in facilitating hydrogen fuel cell uh, are immense. Green hydrogen has to be produced first mm. and foremost, then it's got to be cooled to a ridiculously low temperature. It's stored under in extremely high pressures. It's a lot of cost. Who knows? We might get down the track, you know, 10, 15 years where battery technology is improved to, to the point that maybe it undercuts mm. fuel cell EV. I don't know. Mm. No one does. So everyone's investing in multiple things. But also in the here and now, you know, internal combustion engines, they're going to be continuing in Australia for, for some time, mm. especially especially in long haul. OEMs are also looking at various renewables, renewable fuels. Mm. Mm. You know, we've got um, uh, CNG and LNG, compressed natural gas, liquefied natural gas, LPG. Yes, it's gas, it's a fossil fuel, but it is lower carbon emissions mm. than, than running around in diesels. Mm. That's an option to help bring things down. There's biogas, there's biodiesel. Even hydrogen used in a diesel-type internal combustion engine where, where the hydrogen is in place of the diesel, mm. that's an option too. So they're looking at many different strategies to try and bring emissions down. Mm. What do you think we need to see on a, on a government level to speed up this transition, particularly for the trucking, logistics, like commercial vehicle sector? Okay, so the government brought out its national EV strategy recently and to be honest, it, it was pretty disappointing for the, the, the truck and road transport industry because there was next to no mention mm. of, uh, of trucks and buses in it. It was all focused on, on passengers and light vehicles. We desperately need guidance from the government and a strategy of how this is going to roll out. We need incentives uh, to help uh, speed the uptake of electric vehicles we need some some guidance on how infrastructure is going to roll out. You know, speaking at that sustainability summit, Martin Merrick, um, Volvo Group Australia president, he said, uh, you know, you might think that infrastructure is is the bigger hurdle, but it's not. It's actually it's actually legislation. And in this case, one of the major stumbling blocks we have at the moment, we have a design regulations here that stipulate trucks shouldn't be more than two and a half metres wide. And they shouldn't have more than a, a six and a half ton is the the mass limit on the front axle. It's not compatible with all the electric, um, especially heavy duty products that are coming from Europe. They need at least seven and a half tons on the front axle because the batteries heavy are heavy, mm, yeah. and the trucks that are coming out of Europe are, are 2.55 meters wide. Mm. It's not it's not much. But in terms of legislation, um, we need a revisit of that. They don't need we? to revisit. And look, they're they're working with it now. The the Truck Industry Council is is working with the Australian Trucking Association. They've called on government to you know look at this. It just needs. I think everyone's in agreement. Mm. Each state works individually. Each state works with its own engineers. They all need to go out and make sure that they're comfortable with with these overwidth trucks, higher front axle mass limits and that they're going to be okay with our roads mm. and bridges and, and be perfectly safe. Can we, before you go, before we wrap this up, do kind of like a little bit of crystal ball gazing for now, right? What are you, what are you kind of looking forward to from a trucking industry perspective in this country over the next couple of years? I'm looking, really looking forward to just seeing the breadth 
expand of, of what we're going to have on offer in, in electric trucks and, and later in, in fuel cell as well. We've got a global driver shortage as well, right? And I think one way that will help entice drivers or budding new drivers behind the wheel is when they see what these trucks are like. I mean, you hop inside these things. 12 months ago, and we, were at a, we were at a launch together. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, and it is super impressive. They're, mm. they're very futuristic, these mm. electric mm. vehicles. They're, they're full digital dashes. They've got all the latest safety gear, which is, which is such a change from 10 years ago, mm. you know. Now things like autonomous emergency braking and lane keeping assistance and driver fatigue alerts, it's all going to be part of this as well. Mm. Uh, and we'll probably see more um, autonomous stuff creeping down the track too. But I think, I think now the focus is full bottle on getting carbon emissions down and seeing uh, the transport industry do its bit to achieve that. Awesome, mate, to get you on the show with us. And, and um, thank you very much for putting listeners in the picture when it comes to EVs in the in the commercial sector. Great, some of that stuff that came out of the Brisbane show. And we look forward to getting you back on the pod at some stage soon. Thanks so much, guys. And next time you see a truck go rolling past, have a closer look. If, it's, if it looks modern, see if you can hear an engine or not, because in years to come, the ratio of ice to uh, EV is going to start shifting. That is just about it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Now, next month, we're going to park up at the Charger and have a little look back on the year that's been. We are nearly at the end of season one, and that 12 months, a lot has happened in the EV world in that 12 months, hasn't it? I mean, a lot happens in between episodes, let alone a 12-month period. So we're going to check in and see all those people that said things were happening. All those promises. <laughs> We're going to have a little look at what look has at actually you happened. you holding the government to account here. <laughs> because promises it that is, were made. Yeah, we know it's a moving feast and we have people on and it's good to go and check back because, you know, people listen and they're expecting things to happen and sometimes they happen quicker than we think and sometimes they actually don't eventuate. Cool. Now, listeners, you can't see inside the studio here. This is a little audio experience, but Nadine and our great mate Anthony Matafari have brought the whiteboard in today and they're kind of workshopping <laughs> all these ideas for the next season of what's under the bonnet. And one of the things that's become clear in the conversation is some people are saying, well, you know, should I transition first into something like a hybrid before I go EV? So we're thinking, why don't we expand this? We could maybe even talk hydrogen as well. And I mean, it's all sort of living in that space, isn't it? I think so. And if we think about net zero emissions, there are a lot of different ways that people can contribute to that. So, um, and we think about, you know, Toyota has been the, the hero of hybrids from day one. So, you know, thinking about a hybrid vehicle as opposed to an ice vehicle. That's a great step. If you've got an idea, something you'd like us to tackle as well, please let us know whether that's for the final episode of Series 1 or for coming editions for Season 2 of What's Under the Bonnet. On behalf of Nadine and all of our team, that is it for today. We'll catch you next time, everybody. Bye for now. Listener.